Hello and welcome back to the podcast. Two Steelers fans in a pro football world. I am Zach. And I am Dill. And we are here to bring you all of the NFL, USFL, and XFL news from a Pittsburgh Steelers fan's perspective. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Now, in terms of our episode put out, I understand that we missed an episode last week. The reasoning behind that is because there really was not a lot of news until the day that we had an, had intended to put out the episode originally. That Thursday, the Thursday that we would have normally put out an episode, was the news that Minka Fitzpatrick was getting his big extension. So we will be covering that today because since we gave it the two-week padding, we have some extra things to talk about this week. So as I just mentioned, we have the Minka Fitzpatrick's big extension. We're going to talk about how big of an impact that has on the team as well as around the league. Uh, The recent retirement of Rob Gronkowski, how that's going to impact the league, as well as the signing of Larry Ogunjobi to the Steelers defensive line. So we'll cover those three topics. We'll move into Zach's hot take of the week, and that will be uh, this week's episode. So uh, again, I know we missed last week. We apologize for that, but uh, we hope that this week makes up for it. Yes, and leading off the biggest news of the last two weeks, Minka Fitzpatrick's big deal. So Minka Fitzpatrick has, in his time with the Steelers, been one of the best safeties in the league and one of the best parts of the Steelers' defense, racking in many interceptions, uh, leading the team in tackles last year, and just being an overall workhorse on our defense. Minka Fitzpatrick's new deal includes $36 million guaranteed. This is a four-year extension, and it is worth around $18.4 million per year. This currently makes him the highest-paid safety in the NFL right now and in NFL history. So I see this as a big win paying Minka Fitzpatrick this much. Now, it can be debated whether he deserves this much. I mean, has he played, like, the best safety in the league in the last couple of years? I'd say he has. But a lot of people may disagree. And top safety of all time, even with a very high-paying NFL right now, I don't know. That's something to keep an eye on there. But what I do know is Minka Fitzpatrick has more than earned this money through everything that he has done through the Steelers. Definitely being in contention for MVP of the defense if TJ Watt wasn't an absolute sack machine and, you know, breaking multiple records with that. And I think Minka Fitzpatrick is the only other person that on this defense can contend for that MVP spot because of everything he does for this defense. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't necessarily consider when they think of these major deals is, He's being paid like the best safety in the league. Is he the best safety in the league? I'm like, maybe he is, maybe he isn't. That's not really the debate here. It's about how important he is to the team, not how important he is or how great he is in the broad NFL. And so I, you can see in this deal that they paid him because of his value to the team and not necessarily his overall value to the worth of the NFL. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick, like I said, has when he started with the Steelers dominated with interceptions more recently teams have been throwing it to him a lot less because they know how destructive of a force he is so he gets significantly less targets but he makes up with it in tackles because when somebody else gets targeted if that person can't stop 
that target, then Minka is over there making the tackle, making sure that there's no touchdown. And so I think that's the big value of Minka is that he's everywhere on the field. If you Whether you target him or not, it doesn't matter because he will put down that play. And uh, I think this was definitely a big move by Omar Khan uh, as his first major GM move. And I think that was a great move by him. And it shows that the Steelers might be mo- might be moving into a more money-making and money-moving direction, which we haven't seen from the Steelers a lot. And I'm open to it if it continues to be very smart moves like this one. Throwing money around to players that don't necessarily need it, like, you know, if he threw a big contract to Chase Claypool right now, I would be very confused and very disappointed. But a deal like this, this is a very important deal that can make a lot of big headway for the Steelers, even if it costs a lot more money than we're used to throwing out. But, Dill, what's your response to the big deal with Minka Fitzpatrick? Well, I think that the biggest aspect of this contract is something that you uh, previously touched on, which is that it's not so much about his talent as a safety in comparison to everyone else in the league, although that's definitely a huge part of it because he is one of the best safeties in the league. It's also a testimony to how important he is to this team and how much how important of a leader he's been in that secondary. It, you know, taking people back to 2019 when Big Ben Roethlisberger got hurt, and Mike Tomlin, Kevin Colbert, and the squad traded that first-round pick to Miami for Minka. I remember a lot of people were really mad about that pick, thinking like, oh, you know, we're going to get a really high draft pick for it, and they just wasted it. And Minka came in, and he turned that defense into a unit to be reckoned with. And I think that he, as a player, has continued to do exactly that. He's continued to keep this defense playing at a high level. He obviously, in... uh, cohorts with tj watton that whole wrecking crew up front so it isn't just him but what point i'm trying to make is that he's a big part of it and so the money that he's making is a reflection of that and a reflection of as you said how important he is to the team another thing which is something that you mentioned when you were talking about the contract and something that i mentioned right as i was leading into this is that you know a lot of people are wondering is he worth the money that he's getting obviously the answer is yes because i just touched on the reasons why and zach touched on the reasons just beforehand you know he's a big player of the defense he's a big leader of the defense and he turned the unit into an absolute force however one thing that i will give credit to is that this is the same team that just paid tj watt an absolutely mind-boggling amount of money so as zach mentioned while he was talking you know we're clearly entering a new phase of the organization where money is something that we're more willing to throw around especially guaranteed money which was something that tj watt earned and i mean that because with kevin colbert guaranteed money was very few and far between and tj watt got a lot so that should tell you how important of a player tj watt is but so to have a defense with two of the highest paid defensive players in all of football obviously raises some questions about what that's what kind of issues that could create for the cap moving down the line especially with having to pay guys like deontay johnson and actually chris boswell i just learned recently is on the last year of his contract so we're also going to have to pay him because contrary to popular belief he's a really valuable asset to this team so i don't think it's something to be necessarily concerned about the amount of money that we gave Minka fitzpatrick again obviously he's worth the money the question just becomes you know are we going to have enough money to throw around to other players who need it I personally think the answer is going to be yes. I think the Steelers have always been smart with how they throw their money around, regardless of what we're throwing around guaranteed and all that stuff. So I think that while, yes, it is something to be 
like watching something to be quote concerned about but not concerned as in like oh we're close to panicking concerned as like okay we're gonna keep an eye on this and make sure it doesn't get out of hand yeah i definitely agree and if you look at just the total off season for the steelers we've had probably our biggest off season in the last i'd say five six years um i mean it's become in the last couple of years that, you know, the Steelers don't really make a lot of off-season moves. Uh, they prefer to work a little bit more in-house. Uh, they work a lot more with the draft. They're a silent killer when it comes to the off-season, but not, you know, a big-time deal-maker when it comes to how they work. And, I mean, you can't even blame this all on like the recent switching of GMs because the only real big move with Omar Khan was the signing of Larry Ogunjobi, which we'll touch on later. And uh, also, you know, the big deal for Minka Fitzpatrick. So for us to have this big of an off season, it's very interesting. Tying this back to the Minka Fitzpatrick deal. What I see with this is we got a lot of solid names coming into our team. Trent Scott, James Daniels, Mason Cole, Levi Wallace, DeMonte KZ. But if you look at a lot of these players, we got these players from other teams, these free agents, for really good deals. Deals that we've touched on before, like Trent Scott was a really good deal. We signed Terrell Edmonds for a really, really cheap amount of money that I think we played our offseason in terms of all of these signings so well beforehand for a sole purpose that we needed to make cheap deals because we knew this deal was with Minka was coming. And that just shows the genius behind our GMs in our front office to make these really good money decisions. And even though this was definitely our biggest offseason, probably the most money we've spent in offseason in a long time, I think it's probably one of the most well-orchestrated offseasons and I'm going to say underrated because even though a lot of people are giving us like A's or high B's for the offseason, I would personally give us an A plus because what we've been able to do in the draft, signing Kenny Pickett, signing some big names on wide receiver. Uh, also, what we were able to do signing three offensive linemen or veteran offensive linemen uh, and helping that offensive line problem as well as signing Levi Wallace, re-signing Edmonds and KZ to help our secondary and, you know, giving that contract to Minka. All of the problems that people said need to be addressed were addressed very well and very cost-effectively. So I, I think people have got to look at this offseason as one of the biggest wins in recent Steelers history, and I think it's going to make for a really fun season. Yeah, I definitely agree that this has been one of the better off-seasons that we've had recently, and I would argue in a long time. This has been one of the better off-seasons we've had in a long time. One thing that's going to add to the greatness of this off-season and something that's gonna, that we believe is going to pay off down the line is the signing of Larry Ogunjobi. Uh, defensive lineman, he was first drafted in 2017 by Cleveland, and he went to Cincinnati, and now he's here in Pittsburgh. So he's made his way around the AFC North as of late. Uh, he's been a pretty solid starter over the course of his four years. Uh, over the course of his career, he's had 229 tackles, 21 and a half sacks, two forced fumbles, and one pass deflected. 
Uh, so again, not exactly anything to write at home about, but I would say he's a pretty solid addition to a defensive lineman. And it really puts emphasis on the fact that the Steelers want to improve that D-line that, as we've mentioned in previous episodes numerous times, struggled against the run last year. So for Larry Okunjobi to have had stints in places like Cleveland and Cincinnati, he was in Cleveland his rookie year, 2017. If anyone remembers the Cleveland 2017, that was the infamous 0-16 year. And he was in Cincinnati the year after they had Joe Burrow drafted with the number one overall pick. They went 5-11 and 11 that year, if I remember correctly. So he hasn't really been a part of any notable teams. I'm, I'm not going to give into superstition and say that, oh, this means that the Steelers aren't going to have a notable season. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that he's been a solid starter on teams that have, for the most part, been pretty bad the 2020 Browns were an exception to that obviously they made the playoffs they beat the Steelers that year and they almost went to the championship game so that's the exception not the rule so I think for him to put up the kind of numbers that he did in those mediocre to bad teams is impressive in and of itself so to have him come here to a team that's almost always competent and to a team that's had a really stout defense for the past couple of years, a team where he can get support. He can get like, he doesn't have to be the one that carries the defensive line in a way, obviously in Cleveland, you know, miles Garrett was there the same year. He was drafted the same year that Okunjobi was drafted. So it's not that he's never had help, but on the Steelers D line, he's going to have a lot more than he had in Cleveland. Like, all of the pressure is not going to be on him in the defense 24-7. It will definitely be on the defense a lot, especially with the uncertain quarterback situation. You know, could have a rookie quarterback, media quarterback, all this stuff going on. So there will definitely be pressure on the defense, but it won't all be on the defense all the time like it would be in a place in Cleveland or Cincinnati where the defense kind of has to save the team and bail them out of games. So I think that this is going to be a really good fit for him. And I think that it adds some much-needed depth to the D-line. Uh, what do you think, Zach? Yeah, I definitely agree with that. I definitely think he's in a much better situation than he was in the last couple places. Um, maybe not even looking at entirely how much the defense has to do, but also looking at it from a coaching perspective, uh, where the Steelers' defensive coordinators, the Steelers' defensive line coaches, they're definitely, I'd say, a higher tier than places like Cincinnati and Cleveland. And of course I'm a Steelers fan. I'm talking as a biased Steelers fan and Browns fans can disagree with me, but it's okay because they're Browns fans and they really don't know much about football. But, you know, if you've seen the Steelers defense in the last couple of years, you know that our coaches know what's going on. I mean, we have Brian Flores, who's a big defensive minded coach. Yes. He's working with the linebackers, but you know that these coaches are talking together. These coaches are talking to all players. Uh, you have uh, high-level defensive coordinators. I mean, our defense is, when it comes to coaching, is probably one of the better-minded uh, defenses in the league. And I think him getting coached by some great minds on the defense is really going to help him because it's going to give him a better look at what he can do better, what he can offer the team. Um, and just, you know, how to make his game fr or go from, you know, solid to outstanding. 
Yeah, but the way that I see this signing is very similar to the signing of Chris Warmly two years ago. And the way, or what I mean by that is Chris Warmly, when he came on, we had heard his name said in Baltimore. We knew that he was a quality player, but we didn't necessarily expect him to make a big splash. And at first, he didn't. He was a depth guy, or we had a solid starting D-line, and we knew that. But Chris Wormley came in as a depth guy. He didn't start his first couple games, but he was there when we needed him. And I really think Joby is going to be similar. With the loss of Stefan Tuitt, with Tyson Alulu's big injury, and yes, Tyson Alulu will almost certainly come back by the first game and be ready to go, but he had a leg, he had a break in his leg, which if, if for an NFL player, that's a pretty hard injury to come back from. And it's hard to come back and be top tier again. And you always have the risk of re-injuring that and, uh, you know, that injury acting up. So you still have Tyson Lualu as a bit of a wild card there. So I like having this signing of Ogan Joby as somebody to really add a large amount of depth to that O-line. And I've hyped up Demarcus Leal a lot, but as much as we've hyped up Demarcus Leal and we've mentioned this with other players like Pickett and stuff, he is a rookie. And no matter how you want to swing it, rookies, and I say this actually with a lot of respect, but rookies cannot be trusted. You don't know how they'll do in an NFL game. And just to prove this, I'm going to go back to people like Josh Rosen. Josh Rosen was supposed to be one of the greatest prospects coming out of college, was supposed to be somebody who is going to go down in history as one of the greatest uh, quarterbacks of all time. And most people don't know who he is because he never really made a big mark on the NFL because they knew him as a good college quarterback but a good college quarterback doesn't always translate. So, and it goes for everything. That's why there's draft booms and there's draft busts. That's why Antonio Brown could go down, if he didn't go off the rails, could go down as one of the greatest wide receivers in history, even though he was taken in one of the last rounds of the draft. And that's why, even though I hate him with all of my being, Tom Brady will be one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time when he – retires hopefully in the very 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 near future even though he was taken as one of the last picks in the nfl draft because you never know what's going to happen with these rookies so the moral of the story is you have demarvin leal who's on our team who i think is another reason why they pick somebody else's depth for that d-line we've got some unproven people we've got some people that are fighting injury so having another depth guy who isn't Again, just a depth guy, but somebody who has been a starter on some defensive that are defenses that have gone to the playoffs. And so the fact that we brought a starter from a playoff caliber defense onto our defense as, again, what I'm predicting as a depth role is huge. And then just to finish out my little uh, rant here, uh, Chris Wormley was also brought on as a depth role. We needed him as a depth role this year when Stefan Tuitt, because of the unfortunate loss in his family, 
ended up stepping back from football this past season. And Tyson Alulu was out with that major leg injury. Chris Wormley came in and was actually one of the best parts of that defense and really made our D-line a force for a couple weeks when he was in there and playing his best football. So I, I believe that if Joby can do that, if he can play to his playoff caliber self like he has before, the, and we have him as depth, then our D-line is going to be back to possibly steel curtain type level. But, Dill, what's your thoughts on that? Well, I don't think that anything could match steel curtain level. And that goes for uh, the Chicago Bears defense. I'm the blanking on the year, but there's the Chicago Bears defense. Older, older than the steel curtain, but everyone compares the two. They put that Bears defense in number one, and I tend to disagree with you. But regardless of that debate, that is an argument for another day. I don't think that any defense we could muster could be quite as good as the steel curtain defense. However... Speaking in terms of hyperbole, I understand what you're saying. You know, every single guy counts. And sometimes there are guys who you bring on thinking, oh, he's just going to be a depth guy. And they end up making an absolutely massive impact on the team. So while I wouldn't call it likely that Oak and Joby makes an impact like that, we also can't laugh it off or dismiss it because it is possible. But... Moving away from Larry Ogunjobi and the offseason in general, uh, moving into a different part of the offseason, actually, a little bit away from Steelers offseason, we move into the NFL as a whole. We had a big retirement in the NFL recently. Rob Gronkowski, former Patriots and Buccaneers tight end, has announced his retirement from football. Again. Thank God. <laughs> oh, I know. You know, as Steelers fans, I cannot count the number of times that me and Zach have ranted about that man specifically. I mean, hey, great as a player as he was and for everything he did for the game, I can't stand him. Cannot stand him. Hated him. Hated him. Hated Brady. Hated the pitch. All of them. Get them all out of here. So, uh, Rob Gronkowski, I respect you. I respect your game. The only thing I remember you for is those god-awful Tide commercials that they play in NFL games with some of the stalest acting I have ever seen in my entire life. Yeah. Every time I see that, I would love to say stick to football, but I don't even want him to do that, so I I really can't say anything. I would rather he stick with acting if it gets him off the football field. But, But, yeah, I mean, I I would definitely agree with you that he – he definitely, you know, was one of the best tight, tight ends in history. And, uh, you know, I I hated him, but he brought joy to a lot of football fans. And as much as I hate those football fans that he brought joy to, because, you know, they're obviously not competent, um, I, I got to respect what he's done for the game. Uh, but I, I do want to say something out here, and no no disrespects but i was actually watching something recently about you know just on the nfl channel about some of the greatest tight ends and when he retired they talked about how he was the greatest tight end in history and i i said to myself no 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 he was not i personally i always go back to tony gonzalez to me tony gonzalez was the best tight end in history but even that one's hard. I mean, you got Antonio Gates, you got Shannon Sharp, 
Uh, you got Warren Moon. Wasn't wasn't Mike Ditka a tight end, or was he? Oh uh, yeah, no, Mike might have Ditka. Been a uh, no, he was he was a tight end, and he was he was honestly he might actually be my pick. Him and Tony Gonzalez are my two top for greatest tight ends. And hot, I mean, this isn't my hot take, but one, I mean, some people would call it bigger than my hot take is that I actually say Travis Kelsey is currently a better tight end than Rob Gronkowski ever was. But the the biggest thing is, is that I wouldn't put him as the best tight end when you have people like Shannon Sharp and Antonio Gates and Tony Gonzalez around you. But he definitely did a lot. He, I mean, he was quality in those Super Bowls. And Tom Brady would not have won many of those Super Bowls if it wasn't for Rob Gronkowski. So, uh, Gronk, you suck because of that. <laughs> you know what else I remember about Gronkowski? Like this, I remember this very distinctly. He had that like giant black elbow brace. I think it was his left arm. I don't know, but it was like that freaking giant black elbow brace. And like anytime he bent his arm, like half it would stick out where his elbow is looking like a piece of freaking armor. And I, I mean, remember was, that. Yeah. I don't know. It was really cool. I just don't like, I don't understand why. I don't was, either. It's just um, like, with, you know how JJ Watts got that same thing. It's got like the cage brace on his arm. Yeah. But that might be for injury reasons. I don't actually know. I, no, they both I, they both look cool. That. I just I I don't know. No, that I actually do remember that. I think that's not, honestly one of his most recognizable things was just that massive brace because he kind of looked like a superhero. I hated that. Not brace. not in a super villain. I'm gonna say a super villain. I hated that brace, bro. Anytime you saw it, it was just you knew that the Steelers were about to have 40 points put up on them. Yeah, but um, Rob, uh, as much as I want you out of here. You know, good luck in whatever you do, as long as it's not coming back to the football field, because I've had enough of you. But, uh, you know, I, I'm one of those people that I'll say I, I hate these players all that I want. And honestly, to an extent, I do. But as a lover of this game, I can't hate everything about what they've done, because they've, for the most part, a lot of these players have still brought good to the game. So I've got to respect what he's done for our game. Uh, the game that we love, and, uh, you know, just go have a good retirement down in Tampa. But uh, I do want to end my little thing on uh, Gronk with, and this is for anybody who loves watching the Patriots lose in the Miami Miracle as much as I do, but Gronkowski, you didn't have the angle. (laughs) I forgot about that. And that's why you're a tight end and not a safety. Didn't they put that on a (laughs) T-shirt? Dude, if they did, then I want that T-shirt. I I'm gonna have to Google that later. Yeah, I tell you what, uh, if if you're gonna buy that T-shirt, uh, pick pick me one. I'd I'd like one of those. But anyway, uh, finishing out this week's podcast, I believe Zach has another hot take for us. So, what what have you brought to the table this week? Yeah, so jumping back to our first segment of the day, talking about Minka Fitzpatrick's big deal. Minka Fitzpatrick was paid like the best safety in NFL history. And don't get me wrong. I am definitely not going that route saying he's the best safety in history. I would get my head chewed off, but I will say because he is the highest, highest paid safety in the league right now. He's also probably the hottest safety in the league. 
he is also probably the hottest safety in the league. But in anyway, of, in terms of game, that's in, what that's what I was talking about. Exactly. Yes, we're always talking about in terms of his game. Yeah, of course. But yes, uh, I believe that Minka Fitzpatrick is the best safety in the league right now. So who's some of his competition? Let's look at that. You got Jamal Adams. You got Buda Baker. <laughs> the best in the nation. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jamal Adams is, in fact, incorrect about his standings, but that's okay. That's okay. Didn't he uh, have, like, a, a touchdown scored on him, like, the next? No, he got bodied the next play. That's what happened. Yeah. Well, it was actually he said that, or they showed that clip during the Seattle Steelers game this past season. And later that game, Ben Roethlisberger didn't know where to throw it. And again, nobody's come out and said exactly this is what happened. But in my head, this is what Ben was thinking the whole time. But Ben Roethlisberger didn't know where to throw it. No one was open. So he saw Jamal Adams and just absolute bullet passed it right into his face mask just because he didn't have anywhere else to throw it. And it was honestly one of the funniest moments in NFL history, in my opinion. I mean, not as funny as he's running the wrong way, but still pretty good. Yeah. Um, but anywho's, yeah. So you got Jamal Adams, you got Buda Baker, you got Jesse Bates, you got Justin Simmons, you got Derwin James. I mean, oh, you also got the McCordy brothers. Uh, both of them playing pretty well. Quandre Diggs. A lot of these players are very high quality. I'd say the only ones that can truly keep up with Minka, in my personal opinion, are Justin Simmons and Buda Baker. Now, Buda Baker has been a ball hawk in recent years, making lots of interceptions, most notably uh, two years ago, his interception against Seattle, where he almost ran it back to the house. But DK Metcalf tracked him down. Uh, still one of the greatest plays in NFL history on both sides. DK Metcalf making up that much ground on an incredibly quick Buda Baker, but also Buda Baker being able to track down Russell Wilson's pass and making that big of an interception against a quality offense. But you can't base a player off one play, and I feel like that's what the NFL did in a lot of cases with Buda Baker. He would make one big play every couple of games, and Buda Baker would then be, you know, their poster boy. And I know if you check his stats, he actually does have pretty consistent stats, but they're not mind-boggling. They weren't like the stats that Minka had his first two years with the Steelers. And that's what I go back to is that Minka Fitzpatrick had stats good enough that after only two years with the Steelers team, opposing D or opposing offenses refused to throw it to him. And they just refused. I mean, his targeting rate went down substantially and he became one of the lowest targeted defensive backs in the National Football League in the last two years. That's why Minka Fitzpatrick's stats have gone from interceptions his first couple of years to tackles because he's not getting the ball thrown to him. And so what he has to do now is he has to know where the ball is going. Even though it's not going to go be going near him, he's got to know where it's going so that he can make the best tackle he can and not as much the best interception. 
And I think that's one of the biggest reasons why Minka Fitzpatrick is the best safety in the game because they don't want to throw it to him. And I will always say that the best way to tell a great safety is not by how many interceptions he's making, how many passes defended. No. It's about how scared is the quarterback to throw near him. And so I think that's one of the reasons why he beats out Buda Baker. If you look at Justin Simmons, Justin Simmons is a very interesting one. I'd say Justin Simmons is probably the second best safety. But my big thing is that Justin Simmons and Minka Fitzpatrick have been playing for a very similar amount of time. And you still see Justin Simmons on a general basis getting more targets. And I think that's the big difference is what I went back to earlier talking about the fear in that I think more teams are afraid of Minka Fitzpatrick than they are of Justin Simmons. So I'm going to challenge you guys to look out for Minka's stats, see if he keeps playing like the best safety in the league. And uh, you know what? Even if he's not getting the interceptions, even if he's not getting the passes defended, I want you to really – I challenge our listeners this next or this upcoming season to when you look at Minka Fitzpatrick's stats, don't look at just interceptions or passes defended. Look deeper. Look at target rates. Look at tackles. Look at everything that truly makes a good defensive back. Because I'll tell you, he's the best in the nation. But that closes out our podcast for today. So please stay tuned in the next coming weeks for some more Steelers news. Uh, And we are going to end our podcast the way that Steelers end every day. Here we go, Steelers. Here Here we we go. go.